was a dad and two sons, they had a dream. Instead of there being all these middlemen between people and the food that they buy, what if they could create a way to connect the consumer directly to the farmer and in the process preserve some of the farmland here in the South Bay? Did you know that the Santa Clara Valley was once called the Valley of the Heart's Delight? Well, they took a step of faith, bought 10 acres of property and turned it into Farmville. They worked the land, weeded the land, planted the seed, had a harvest. Three years later, they added 27 more acres to their farm and now they grow all kinds of certified organic produce in the heart of Silicon Valley, the spade and plow farm. They're living their dream. How cool is that? Now, I'm a city boy, and as a city boy in the middle of the hub of the high-tech universe, I have a, a need for speed. I hate to wait. And if I wear my city boy hat to the farm, well, can you imagine planting a, a seed in the ground and two nanoseconds later asking yourself, well, where's the harvest? What's taking so long? And so you dig up the seed, you look at the seed. Is this thing broken? Is this thing defective? Come on, man, I need my harvest. That's why this is the weekend to take off our city boy hat and put on our country boy hat and to think like a farmer. In James chapter five, the Bible says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. So you too must be patient. Cathedral family, this is the weekend to take off your city boy hat and put on your country boy hat and think like a farmer. I'll see you back at the farm. Hello, Cathedral family. It's great to see everybody. God is good. And all the time, are you ready to think like a farmer? Think like a farmer. Say that with me. Think like a farmer. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, how when you become a follower of Jesus, that God puts the Holy Spirit on the inside of you like a seed. And that seed, well, becomes a root, and the root produces a vine, and the vine produces a branch, and the branch produces fruit. And we've looked at love and joy and peace. And today I want to look at what may be the most difficult fruit of all for those who live in the Silicon Valley. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Patience! I found this one picture of a guy. He was, well, you can see his prayer. He says, bless me with patience. Not opportunities to be patient. I've had plenty of those, and they don't seem to be working. I need the actual patience. And then the minion, I, I can identify with his prayer. Lord, please give me patience, because if you give me strength, I'll need bail money too. <laughs> Hello. 
And then one lady, she says this about patience. She says, I wish I was as thin as my patience. (laughs) Is patience the hardest fruit of all to produce for those who live in a high-tech world? I saw this study that was done, and the study was about a pause. We know what a pause is. And they said that people like us that live in a high-tech, city-like environment, that a pause to us seems twice as long as it does to people who live in a rural society. That for us, it seems like a pause just takes forever. And we live in this world that has a need for speed, and we hate to wait. There's an app. It's a video game called Farmville. Have you seen it? And you can create an entire farm on your phone. Farm to table right there on your phone. You can grow your crops, and you can harvest those crops. And the makers of the game found that some people did not want to wait that it takes a whole two hours to plant the seed in the ground and for the seed to produce the crops, but they offer this if you pay the company real money that you can have your crops at the snap of a finger. And one little boy, he was 12 years old, he spent $1,000 of his mom's money So he could have crops at the snap of a finger. And guess what? Now he's waiting. In his room, he's grounded for life. Hello. (laughs) We live in a culture where there is this need for speed and we hate to wait. And yet so much of life, really, so much of life, one of my favorite writers, Lewis Smedes, he says, waiting is our destiny. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. And maybe that's where you're at this weekend. You've been waiting. You've been waiting for that promotion that you you know you really deserve. Or you've been waiting for a home to open up that you can actually afford. Or you've been waiting for that special someone to come in to your life. Or you've been waiting for that child to get their act together and to turn around. You've been waiting and the not yet seems like not ever. The good news of the gospel is this. God can give us the patience we need to take hold of the promise that he has. That the kingdom of heaven moves more like the speed of a seed than the speed of a snap. And if we are patient, the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 6. It says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Would you read that with me? Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit 
what has been promised. Faith is what gets you going. Patience is what keeps you going all the way till you take hold of the promise. Take off your city boy hat. Put on your country boy hat. Today is the day to think like a farmer. Think like a farmer. Say that with me. Think like a farmer. Now, there are three ideas I want to suggest to you, ways that we can think like a farmer this weekend. And the first one has to do with our patience with others. That when we are patient with others, what we do is we give them room to grow and to learn. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Don't be proud at all. Be completely gentle. Be patient. Put up with one another in love. Put up with one another. Would you say that with me? Put up with one another. One more time. Put up with one another. Some parts of the Bible are hard to understand. Some parts are very easy to understand. To put up with one another in love. And when we do that, we give people room and space to grow. I was playing golf recently, and I was playing nine holes. I was by myself. It was a beautiful day on the course. There were four players in front of me, and I was walking, so this was perfect. And I was having a great time enjoying the day, just me and my golf clubs. And then there's this guy behind me. He's in a golf cart. And he pulls up, and he's on my back. Every single shot, every single hole, he is just on my back. I have nowhere to go. There's four guys in front of me, and yet he's on my back the entire time. And so halfway through the round, now I'm starting to get impatient. I'm losing my patience with his impatience. And so just when I'm about to lose my patience, he drives up to the tee with two holes left, and he looks me in the eye and he says, I'm having the best game of my life. <laughs> he was so excited. So I asked him, do you want to play through? And he said, no, can I play the last two holes with you? I said, sure. So we played one hole. We got to the last hole, and that's when he asked me the question, what do you do for a living? I cannot tell you how grateful I was to God that I had not lost my patience with him. Amen. Has God ever saved you from yourself? Oh, my. So God saved me from myself, and, well, I didn't lose my patience. And we got talking, and when I told him I was a pastor, he said, well, I'm on the other side of the pendulum. And I found out he's a shock jock for one of the local radio stations, musical stations here in the Bay Area. He's legendary. And so here we are, the shock jock and the pastor, walking down the fairway having a conversation. We talked about work. We talked about family. We talked about pastoring. And we even talked about God. And at the end of that nine holes, that shock jock said to me, hey, man, I hope we have a chance to play again. And I said, I do too. You never know 
what God has for you. And I find myself now turning in hit to his show for a couple of minutes <laughs> and saying a little prayer that God would bless him. That as God has been patient with me, God would be patient with him and that he would get to know the God who has made him. Can we give God praise for those moments in life? You just never know what God has for you. When we are patient with others, what are we doing? We're giving them room and space to grow. We're not trying to fix them. We're not trying to control them. We're giving them room and space to grow so they can take hold of the better future that God has for them. But sometimes it's hard. It can be really hard. You find some people in your life, some people in your own family. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you're sitting next to them, don't raise your hand. Amen. <laughs> Even your own kids. One mom was so fed up with her kids, she went on Instagram and this is what she wrote. She said, I am done. I'm selling the kid on eBay. <laughs> and someone replied, don't be silly. You made her. That goes on Etsy. I mean, what do you do when you're just so fed up? Here's something that helps me out. When I find that I have run out of patience, I don't turn to myself. I turn to God. And I remember how God has been patient with me. That I remember how many times I have failed God and how many mistakes that I've made. And that God didn't have to be patient with me, but God was patient with me. That God sees, when he looks at me, God sees more than where I am. God sees where I'm headed. That God sees more than the things that I've done wrong. God sees the things that I do right. Amen? And that God's been patient with me. And when I recognize how God has been patient with me, it gives me the strength to be patient with others and to give them room and space to grow. One place in the Bible, right after God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, look at what God says about himself. He says, I am the Lord God, I am merciful and very what? I am merciful and very what? With my people, I will show great love and I can be trusted if you're grateful for the patience of God, can we give God praise for his amazing patience? God, thank you for being patient with us. We are so grateful that you did not give up on us. Think like a farmer. Say that with me. Think like a farmer. I take off my city boy hat, put on my country boy hat, and I'm patient with others and give them space to learn and to grow. And then I'm also patient with my dreams. And I give my dreams time to mature and to develop. The Bible says this in Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will. Say that with me. We will. But when you find yourself waiting for that harvest, that better future, it's hard. It's hard to wait. It's hard to delay gratification in our culture. There were these two girls, and there are these marshmallows 
Watch the screens and you can see it for yourself. We've got Celia who's six and we got B who is four. I'm going to give you a marshmallow. If you want, you can eat this straight away or you can wait for a bit until I come back into the room and you'll get a second marshmallow. Okay? I'll leave it up to you. I'm going to leave the room for a bit. Bye-bye. Oh, they were trying, but it's hard to wait, to wait for that better future, and yet patience is what wins the day. There's a, an author by the name of Angela Duckworth, and she's written, written a book called Grit. It's a very popular book. You can see her on TED Talks. It's called The Power of Passion and Perseverance, and what Angela did is she studied those who were able to achieve their dreams, was there a common denominator? And she looked at all different kinds of fields. She looked at cadets who had made it through military training. She looked at kids who had won the spelling bee. And she looked at, well, rookie teachers who had made it through the year at a very tough school district. And she looked at, at salespeople who made the most money in a year. And she was trying to find what is it that they have in common. And this is what she discovered. She said it wasn't intelligence, it wasn't social intelligence, it wasn't talent, and it wasn't even good looks. Although in my case, maybe it was good looks, amen. <laughs> Look at that picture right up there. She said that the key that all these people had in common was good, old-fashioned grit. The willingness to stick with your future day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You stick with your future and you work towards your future. In one place, Angela puts it this way, grit is living like it's a marathon and not a sprint. Living life like it's a marathon and not a sprint, or in this weekend's terminology, is taking on our, off our city hats, putting on our country hats, and thinking like a farmer. Now, Jesus often used agriculture to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven was like. And in one place he told a story. He said that the kingdom of heaven, it's like a seed, that God takes a seed and he plants it in your heart, that it's like a word that he plants in your heart, and it's a good word, a good seed. We serve a good God, amen? amen? And God plants a good word about your future, that this is who you can be. This is what you can do. This is who you can become. 
He said that word has so much potential and so much power, it can produce a harvest a hundred times more than what's actually been planted. That's what you call a big harvest. But Jesus said there's a key component if you're going to experience the harvest that God has for your life. Jesus puts it this way. He says, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Patiently produce a huge harvest. Can you see that huge harvest coming your way? Good, old-fashioned grit. I'm so excited about our new uh, ministry for entrepreneurs that's starting up. In fact, Christopher, would you stand? Give Christopher a big hand. I'm so excited. Christopher, thank you for your leadership on that. You know, if you have a heart uh, to start a new company, if you have a company, you want to take it to a whole new level, this is a ministry designed for you. And who knows? What if the next big thing in high tech in the valley came out of this new ministry started here at Cathedral of Faith. Why not? God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. Let's give God praise in advance, amen, of what God's going to do through the ministry. Now, when I hear the word startup, of course, I hear startup. That's what you do. You start it up. You start it up one day, and you're making boatloads of money the next day. Isn't that how it works? And then I went to startup.com on the website. And they said that the average startup takes about four years to get its feet under it and about seven years to really catch traction. That you can take hold of your dream with good, old-fashioned grit and the grace of God upon your life. How do you keep going? How do you have good old-fashioned grit? How do you cooperate with the Spirit to see this take place in your life? Here's another, here's another thing that I've done that maybe this can be helpful with you. You know, my, my daughter, now she's 29, but I remember when she was little, you can see a picture of her and I up there, and... I can remember teaching her to swim. And we got in the pool, and well, I, I looked at her, and I said, okay, honey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get out in front of you, and you swim toward Dad. She said, okay. So I got in the pool, and she started swimming to me. I'd say, you can do it. You're doing great. And I'd take a step back. And she'd stop, and she'd look up, and she'd see me. I'd say, come on, honey, you're doing great. You can do it. Keep swimming. And she'd put her head in the water, and she'd swim toward me, and I'd take another step back. <laughs> and, well, she'd pop her head up, and she'd look, and she'd see me, and I'd say, you're doing great, honey. Keep on swimming. I'd take another step back. She'd start swimming. And we would do this all the way till she made it to the other side of the pool. And here's the key. As long as she kept seeing, she kept swimming. 
The song of the civil rights movement was keep your eyes on the prize. And as long as we keep seeing, if I start focusing on my obstacles, if I start focusing on my challenges, then I may give up on the dream that I have. But if I keep my eyes on the prize, that I can see where I'm headed, and I know where I'm going, and I can picture the day when I experience the harvest, the Bible said he persevered because he saw as long as you keep seeing, you can take another stroke by God's grace, and one day you'll be all the way to the other end of the pool. Can we give God praise? Amen. That's where we're headed. Don't give up. Think like a farmer. Say that with me. Think like a farmer. That brings us to the last big idea. And that is those moments when we are patient with God. Patient with God? When we're patient with God to show up on his timetable and his schedule. The Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The patience of God. I heard about a man who read this verse and then he prayed. He said, God, is it true that a thousand years is like a minute to you? And God says, that's about right. And the man said, well, God, then a million dollars must be like a penny to you. And God says, that sounds about right. And so the man prayed, God, can I have one of those pennies? And God said, sure you can. Wait just a couple minutes. <laughs> the wait. When God seems slow. Just being real. Have you had moments in your life where you wonder, when will God show up? I need God to show up. When is God going to show up? Will God ever show up? I was praying right over here in this aisle with a couple a while back, and they had been trying to have children. That's a good desire to want to have kids. But they had been waiting and waiting and waiting and I could sense it in their heart. I could see it in their eyes. Ken, when's God going to show up? Is God ever going to show up? There's a story of a man in the Bible who can really encourage us today. His name is Abraham. If you're not familiar with his story, when he's 75 years old, God shows up. And tells Abraham he's going to have a child. That will get your attention. 
If God showed up this afternoon and said, I was going to have a child, I think I'd pass out. Amen. (laughs) But Abraham didn't have any children. God shows up and says, you're going to have a child. And then the clock starts ticking. And if you know the story, don't run by it too fast. Pause. One year goes by, and he's waiting. Five years, he's still waiting. Ten years, ten years. When will God show up? Fifteen years goes by. Will God ever show up? 20 years go by and he is still waiting. And 25 years into the promise, God does show up. God will show up. Let me say that again. God is faithful and God will show up. God will keep his promise, but here's the takeaway from that story. God's timetable is different than our timetable, and God's schedule is different than our schedule, but God's delays are not denials. Delays are not denials. Say that with me. Delays are not denials, and so if this weekend you find yourself waiting for God to show up, Can I need God to show up and turn things around? Why is God taking so long? I wish I could give you the answer to that, and I can't. But here's what I do know. While you're waiting, God is still working. I want to say that again. While you are waiting, God is still working. God is working. Yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. God is still working. God is. God is working in us. God is working in us. While we're still waiting, God is working in us to produce something in us. And what God is doing in us is as important as what we are waiting for. And at the end of the day, God does show up. The Bible says, brothers and sisters, follow the example of the prophets who spoke for the Lord, they suffered many bad things, but they were patient. And we say that those who accepted their troubles with patience, they now have God's what? Blessing. You have heard about Job's patience. You know that after all his troubles, the Lord helped him. This shows that the Lord is full of mercy and is kind. Can we give God praise for his amazing faithfulness, his goodness, and his kindness that God will show up if we think like a farmer. I want you to hear from one of the leaders at the church. She's a leader in our prayer ministry, a leader in our our healing ministry, and I'm going to ask Sharon to come up and tell a little bit of her journey on what it was like to be patient and to wait. Would you give Sharon a great big hand as she comes up? Sharon, so good to see you. Now, Sharon, I know a few years ago, you found yourself in one of those moments. So it's not yet, seems like not ever moments. Tell us what that was like for you. Yes, Pastor Ken, we too had our share of patience. 
And as you so rightly said, our timetable is not God's timetable. And my husband and I, my wonderful husband, had been married for 10 years. And we were waiting for the fruit of the womb and believing God for a miracle. And we waited not just for one year, and for two years, and three years, went on to 10 years. But in 2009, in January 19th, the Lord spoke to me after waiting and praying. And he said to me, get up, go get the name. And I said, Lord, but how would I know what name it would be? And he told me, he said, look at the meaning, you would know. And the meaning of my daughter's name, which is Anaya, was God sent and God answered. But that was in January, so I had to wait some more. So I conceived of that very same year in November. And today we have a most gorgeous, blessed, wonderful daughter, Anaya, who's eight years old. Amen. Anaya, stand up. Come on up here, Anaya. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. God's faithful. Through faith and patience, the Bible says we inherit what's been promised. If you're waiting this week, and everybody stand with me, please. I want to read a scripture, but before I do, bow your heads with me for just a moment. If you would say, hey, Pastor Ken, right now, I'm waiting for God to show up. I'm waiting for God to show up. And I got, need God to give me the grace and the trust and the patience. I'm in one of those seasons right now where I'm waiting for God to show up. Would you lift up your hand? And I want to agree that God's going to encourage you today through your word. Just lift up your hand real high. Wherever you're at, Ken, I'm in one of those seasons. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm patiently waiting. Patiently waiting. God sees your hands. He knows your heart. And God's working in us even while we're waiting. And what he's doing in us is even more important than what we're waiting for. You can put your hands down. Father, you see our hands. You see our hearts. I want to ask one more question. Boy, I felt a sensitivity toward this in the first service, and I do in this service too. If you say, hey, Ken, I'm waiting for a child to, for my child to, to get back on the right path. They're just not on the right path right now, and I'm waiting for them to get back on the right path. Would you lift up your hand real high? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God sees your heart, sees your hands. Father, meet us in this moment. Give us your grace today. I want to read Psalm 40, and I pray that as I read it, that you'll own it. You'll own it for you. That this is not just true of the psalmist, but this will be true for you, that God is faithful, and God will give you good old-fashioned grit. And through faith, that gets you going and patience that keeps you going, you will take care, hold of the promise and the dream that God has for your life. I'm gonna invite you, follow along. It's up on the screen. Psalm 40 reads this way. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. Can somebody say amen? amen. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me 
as I walked along. Can somebody say amen? amen? He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in God. Let's turn our hearts toward God and give him praise. God, we trust you. Our faith is in you today. You're a faithful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen and amen.